How are you all doing? Good. Yes? That's really good. It's all right. What's that, Lawrence? Amen. Okay. <clears throat> Can you all stand? I'm going to pray. Oh, I just sat down. I heard that. <laughs> Too bad. Get up. Okay. <clears throat> um, I was thinking about the parable of the sower a bit as we were worshiping. And, you know, looking outside, we're in the land of frozen tundra for the next number of months. And it's pretty hard soil. So I'm just, my prayer right now is that the Lord begins to, you begin to ask the Lord to turn the soil of my heart. Let it not be like what I see outside. There's an invitation here. Some of your hearts have been beaten down and are hard in certain areas. Some might be thorny. Some might have stony patches. But I want you right now to ask the Lord, Lord, would you, I want good soil. I want to receive all the seeds that you have for me today. Don't let any seed fall on any hardness on my heart. Lord, remove the hardness. So just pray that right now. I, I Just pray that right now. Give me good soil, Lord. I want good soil in my heart. Let me receive all the seeds from you today. It's not about my neighbor. It's about you and me. It's not about my wife. It's about you and me. It's not about my kids yelling this morning and me swearing on the way to church. It's about you and me right now. Let them turn the soil. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for open hearts. In your name, amen. Okay. <clears throat> um, I want to share, I think Pastor Sandy talked about, we were at a conference last weekend, and there was a lot of great stuff that happened there. Oh, man. Uh, but I want to intro and talk about you know, what, something that's impacting me from the weekend, and it, it's, cha yeah, it's just taking me to different levels, uh, and it actually happens to fit the message. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But I, uh, I've been blindsided by the Holy Spirit this week, and he loves to do that if you're available. And uh, it's with the reality of, of a, a profound revelation that you and I have been given, and and we can grow in deeper revelation of this reality. And I've been on the edge of tears all week, not because I'm emotionally a mess, but because I've met Jesus. And it's simply this. There's this mystery uh, that Paul talks about in Colossians 1 and 2. Again, this is just introducing the message here. Colossians 1, Paul talks about how it says in 119, for it pleased, okay, get this, the Father, pleased God the Father, that in him, in Christ Jesus, all of my fullness would dwell in him. All of me. Okay, let's just stop there for a second, okay? So at some point, the Father said, I have a phenomenal idea, because all of them are, right? I have an idea. I want to have all of my fullness, which has no end, to dwell in my son. <laughs> what is his fullness? 
right? The Greek explains it like the sum total of everything, the all fullness, uh, the full uh, extent of who the Father is, absolute completeness of God. He's all-powerful, amen? He's infinite in wisdom and knowledge and is able to do whatever he wants to do. He th- he, that he wants to create. He's perfect in every way. Every way. He's perfect in love. He has perfect peace. He has perfect love and joy and, 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 and uh, has love-based motives. Perfect hope. And his love is unconditional. Amen to that. We, you and I cannot possibly comprehend this fullness. And he says in verse 19 of chapter 1, yeah, and I want all of that in my son. Now, are you ready for this? Say, I'm ready. ready. All of you, come on. I am ready. ready. Okay. This is the greatest thing you'll ever hear, ever. I need to hear it again and again and again. Don't forget this. And if you do, just read your Bible. There is a mystery that's been hidden from ages and generations that has been revealed to the saints. Are you a saint? Yeah, it's been revealed to you and me, those who put their faith in Christ Jesus. It's been revealed to us, this mystery that's been hidden. (laughs) It's been revealed to you now. And it's this, Colossians 1.27. Paul says to them, to the saints, to you, to me, Kingdom City, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles you and I, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. (laughs) Come on. I don't know if you're getting this. I sure am, okay? God the Father said, I am putting all the fullness of who I am in my son Jesus, and all those who want to follow Jesus, I will put Christ in them. Come on. What does that mean? I'm still in the intro, by the way. All of the fullness of God, without exception, all, all of it is right here, is right there. The full extent of God's peace is in you. The fullest extent of God's love is in you. The fullest extent of God's hope is in you. The fullest extent of God's joy is in you. And it's unending. Every issue, every problem, every stress, every mountain you think is big is possible to overcome. Why? Come on, why? Because Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Christ is in you. Christ is in you watching in Toronto. Christ is in you watching in Ottawa. Christ is in you watching in Mexico. There's some there too. Christ is in you. Why are you not up jumping around? It's yet to be revealed to you. Hmm. Wow, Christ in you. So this morning, I want to take that reality that's wrecking me and I want to move that into talking about how, how do we carry the atmosphere of heaven? 
I think it's really important. Frankly, everything they say up here is important. Anyway, we'll see how far we get. And I wanna, I wanna frame it around Acts 3, 1 to 10. You can write that down. I'm gonna give you kind of the three keys. There's, there's more, but I think these are the three that the Lord's highlighting for us today. Um, three ways in which you and I can create an atmosphere of heaven, okay? Or carry, rather, this atmosphere of heaven three ways. One, cultivate awareness, okay? Cultivate awareness of his presence. Number two, activate your faith. And then number three, become a kingdom custodian. We'll get to that. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> We're going to get to this uh, Acts 3. Would you turn with me in your Bibles? It's going to be up on the screen. Hmm. All right. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. And a certain man, man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. Mm. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, hey, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Huh. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. I just noticed something here. I didn't see this at 9 a.m. You notice in verse 7, it says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Then strength came to his feet and ankle bones. Not until he started standing up did strength come. Hmm. Oftentimes we sit waiting for the miracle to happen. You're sitting in your chair, but you've got to get up out of the chair to receive the healing that you need. All right, um, verse 8. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, praising God, whole healing, whole body, soul, and spirit. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. Wow. So we see here Peter and John and I'm sure the other disciples, you know, they were going to prayer, which was middle of the afternoon. And some, something that they always did. They did this regularly, even with Jesus. And they knew who this guy was. You know, it says later on in Acts 3 and then 4 that they were familiar with this, this beggar. He, had, he was over 40 years old, so he frequented that place often. You know, it's... it's it's interesting to me then if, Je if Jesus walked by here multiple times, what gives, right? Like why didn't Jesus heal the guy? And oftentimes I think 
we don't see some of the miracles that uh, in, in the New Testament that we see today because Jesus said, whoa, 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 I'm reserving those for my saints. I, I don't know. That's my thought on it. But why now? Why now? Why did this lame guy, this, this beggar, notice Peter and John at this point in time? I want to propose to you that I believe it was because they of the person that they carried. I really believe that. The lame man noticed something on them and around them that wasn't there before. It was different. Jesus was there before, yes. But Pentecost, it just happened. The Holy Spirit fell. They were now carrying the atmosphere of heaven, the presence of Jesus. And they were full of power and boldness and love and this acute awareness of the presence inside of them. And as a result, the atmosphere of heaven that Peter and John carried became this irresistible magnet, okay, between the spirit inside this, this lame beggar and the one whom Peter and John carried. There's this irresistibility. See, when you turn your attention toward the irresistibility of heaven... Jesus becomes a magnet to everyone around you. It's just what happens. Because heaven's irresistible. And it creates and releases this atmospheric river of his presence, okay, that, from, that comes from the Father's heart into our heart and out to their heart. There's this river that flows. Now, this should tell you something. If people are not drawn toward you, where is the focus of your attention? Where does it lie? You know, they knew who they were carrying, okay? Look at verse four. They knew. There's authority right there. Look at us. Look at us. There's something supernatural that flows out of you when, oh, when you know you, that you know that you know who you're carrying inside. Oh. You're intimately aware of the authority that you carry in Christ and the boldness that he gives you, and it fills you with courage and boldness beyond belief. It just does. Many times uh, when I've done deliverances uh, and there's a demon just being stupid and is just fooling around and not paying it and not like listening. I, you know, years ago, Sandra said, Nate, you gotta, you gotta issue threats to this thing. I go, what do you mean? He says, you look at him, you say, look at me. And you say, who is your conqueror? You say, I, you command him. I command you, tell me I am your conqueror in Christ. When I tell you to leave in Jesus' name, you're gonna go. And they say, you're my conqueror in Christ. When you tell me to leave, I've gone. And they leave. The authority of Christ. It's real. Who did the lame man see when they were looking into the eyes of Peter and John? Who did he see? I think he really saw flames of fire. Revelation 19, 12. Jesus, his eyes were like a flame of not were like, were a flame of fire. <sighs> he saw the flame. Who do people see when they look at you? 
Who do they see? If people are not drawn toward you and I, what kind of atmosphere are we carrying? For real. So the man gave them his attention and rightfully expected to receive something. Of course, this was normal. He, there's, uh, there's a reason he sat there at the 3 p.m. in the afternoon. It was a very busy time. The Jews, uh, <clears throat> it, was, it was customary and act of righteousness to give alms to the poor. So this guy is here, and he's like, this is a great time of day. I'm going to rake it in, right? Every day. <laughs> but he had no idea the plumb line that for what defined his life was about to change. He had no clue. Whoa! He knew what he was about to receive, something. He was going to receive something. Of course, he was accustomed to receiving money. Okay, he was accustomed to receiving uh, things that would soothe the condition he was in. Just soothe him. Just to get himself through the afternoon. But how many of you know? How many of you are aware that the atmosphere of heaven is not uh, an atmosphere that merely makes your situation bearable? No. No, 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 no. The atmosphere of heaven is here and is full of the presence of Jesus that takes a, a bearable situation and releases the superiority of heaven into the atmosphere that's inferior and full of death, full of lifelessness, full of grin and barren atmosphere, full of survival type atmosphere. If I just survive this day, no. So many people are begging for earthly situations to their earthly condition. So many. They need a heavenly interruption. They don't need silver and gold. The issue is many of us, many of God's people, are doing life sitting and stuck as crippled beggars looking for silver and gold solutions sitting outside the gate. Believers! When instead, you could actually be sitting uh, deep inside the throne room with the one, at the feet of the one who despised and rejected so you, who was despised and rejected so you can be accepted and loved and adopted. When instead, you could, you could uh, receive victory and freedom because of the one who conquered death. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. See, the church's job is not to simply make someone's life more bearable. It's not our job. It's to be this heavenly portal that ushers in the tidal wave of his presence that changes destinies, that changes identities, that heals wounds from childhood. That delivers people from oppression. That breathes life and revives dead bones and stony hearts. See, when you carry the atmosphere of heaven, there is this continual outflow, inflow and outflow. Heavenly inflow, heavenly outflow. The valve never shuts off. It should never shut off. Say right now, I will not turn off the valve. Because Jesus doesn't. 
So don't turn it off. There should be no, what is it? Anyway, no switch. There's a name for it. No switch. Don't turn off. Don't turn it off. All right, three ways. One, let's see if we can get through them all. One, cultivate an awareness of his presence. Cultivate awareness. Okay. I'm at a point in my life, and I'm, I'm still growing in this, but I'm close, where if I don't think of, of his awareness or make myself aware of his presence every 15 seconds, I am, I am living in denial of him. I'm actively denying him. That's how I feel. I need him. How, how do I say that? It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Acknowledge him in all your ways. When, in other words, all the time. That word there to acknowledge is to uh, in your habits, in your journey, in your life, all the time. Acknowledge him. It's, it's waking up in the morning and making him the, the first, uh, the first, the, uh, mm, just turn your attention toward him. As soon as you wake up, say, Jesus, I'm here. I'm here. Where are you? Oh, I'm here too. I've been with you all night. Now you're just waking up. I'm here. Do that. Don't wait 10 minutes. Don't, Turn to the table, pick up your phone and look up Facebook and see if people liked what you posted last night. Turn toward Jesus. Your whole life will become more in alignment when you do. Constantly turn your attention toward him, constantly. Like how many of you know that the rain of heaven is continually pouring out? It is. In other words, we should, we should continually be getting wet and more wet. Like, I want to see wet hair. It's always raining. Always. It's just a matter if you and I actually turn our attention toward the rain that's actually pouring out on us. Turn toward the rain. Hmm. Some of us may need to change our perspective. I think too many of you or too many of us have become comfortable and settled in the, real, or the reality of knowledge or the, in our minds only that Christ is in us and have had no deep revelation that Christ is in us. Right here. Maybe you settled to running around doing things for him instead of sitting with him. Maybe... Maybe you've settled for a set, believing a set of, a system of, of beliefs. That's just, I'm going to believe these things over asking for a revelation of the one who lives in you, pursuing presence in you. May, many of you have said, you know what? I cannot wait to get to heaven and ask all these Old Testament heroes about what it was like. What was it like? What was it like, Abraham, to talk with God? And he said, hey, look up. Look at the stars. Those outnumber your descendants. Or your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky. And Abraham turns to you and says, whoa, wait. What was it like, Stacy, to look up at heaven and realize the one who put the stars up there lives in you? Yeah. What was that like? 
Moses, what was it like to hit the staff into the Red Sea and watch the deliverer walk you across the Red Sea? Moses turns to you, says, hold on a minute. What was it like to live with the deliverer in you? Elijah, whoa, what was it like to see fire fall from heaven? Power? And he turns to you and says, wake up. That's how Elijah talks, okay? It's a prophet. Wake up! What was it like to have the fire of God in you? What was it like? Gary, what's it like? David, what was it like to slay that giant? How cool. Hold on a minute. What was it like to have the giant slayer living in you? Who needs stones when you have a voice? Oh! What's it like? Jesus, what was it like to watch Lazarus come out of the tomb? Uh Uh-oh. Jesus says to you, how many people did you raise from the dead? How many did you try? This is not guilt. This is an invitation. Invitation. Come on, people. Who's living inside you? Oh, Some of you have become so numb to the greatest mystery that has ever been revealed to you. Yeah, Nate, I know this. I know this. You've got to know it again. You have to. Why? Here's the thing. If Christ is in me, there it is, it's cosmic treason if people do not get a taste of heaven when they come in contact with me. If Christ is in you, it is heavenly treason when people come into your orbit or your atmosphere that you carry and people not be changed for the kingdom. That's treason against the kingdom. Oh, Jesus. If you've fallen complacent to this reality, you need a deep, fresh touch from Jesus this morning, not this afternoon. It will be this afternoon. Because not only is it affecting you, it's affecting everyone around you. So how do I do this? Allow Jesus to ask you the question, do you want me? Do you want me? No, no, really, Nate. Do you really want me? Yeah, of course I do. Some of you say that, but you struggle with counting the cost. So you stay on the peripheral edges of relationship with him and very infrequently enter the secret place. Can you pass me that chair on the end, please? Yeah. Jesus has his invitation. Thanks, bro. Um, <clears throat> he has this invitation uh, to, into greater intimacy. And he uses this story in Luke 10 um, where Mary and Martha are in the house. You know, many of you have heard it. Martha's running around doing good things, really good things, serving. <clears throat> Don't think by me saying this that you shouldn't serve, okay? Okay, caveat. She's serving, all right? And then there's Mary. Where's Mary? Right there. And Jesus says, she has found the most important thing to do. She found it. Friends, Jesus 
is calling out to you in a 911 hour. It is a 911 hour. Psalm 911. You will die if you do not call this number. 911. Psalm 911. He who dwells, he who sits in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Yeah, but Jesus, I got dishes to do. I gotta do all these things. I gotta go serve. Nate, you don't get it. Turn around. Come back. Come back. Okay. 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 Yeah, but I haven't read for an hour yet today. I gotta do all these things. I gotta do all these things for you. I, I, I gotta go. I gotta go. Nate, you don't get it. Come back. Come back. Sit at my feet. Here we go. Okay. Until you and I realize that this is the place that we do life from, you still need more revelation. Ask for the revelation of how do I do life from here? Seated in heavenly places, seated at his feet. How do I do that? Ask me. One thing is required, sit. I don't get anything done. You haven't learned yet. Sit. I have all these businesses to figure out. You haven't figured it out yet. Sit. Sit. The kingdom won't advance. You don't get it. Sit down. The kingdom advances when you're sitting. How do I preach from standing? I need to sit. What happens, the longer you dwell with Jesus, is you get this holy addiction. (laughs) Forget all the other addiction. Oh, this holy addiction to his heart, to his presence. And your heart begins to burn. And it burns. And the only place that your heart can be combustible and begins to burn and spread fire to other people is here. Nowhere else. That is where your heart gets combustible. Dwell with him. I'm praying right now for a holy addiction for you and for me right now. A love that absolutely crushes everything in your heart that's not come into alignment with him. Everything. And that you and I never recover to a place of normalcy again. Be obsessed with Jesus. Be obsessed with him. Hear this. Normal people don't carry the atmosphere of heaven. Normal people don't change a nation. Normal people say dead bones can't live. Normal people offer silver and gold. Do you want to change the world around you? Say, yes, I do. Stop being normal. (laughs) How do I know if my heart is burning for Jesus? How do I know it's real? What's coming out of your mouth? What are the words coming out of your mouth? Your words will either reveal a dull heart or they will reveal that your heart actually does burn for Jesus. 
Here's the second thing. Wow. Second thing. You ready? Activate your faith, okay? We see this right here. Um, <clears throat> activate your th- faith. Three steps. Know who you carry, okay? Speak it out. It's right here in the text. And then take action, all right? Three simple things. Now, we already knew that Peter and John knew who they were carrying. We know this. Now it was time to activate that. And so Peter does. And Peter used his voice to activate. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. Chris Valentin says that faith is voice activated. So good. And is catalyzed by your words. Romans 10.17. Faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing by the word of God. So how, how does someone hear? Someone speaks, right? Use your voice. Voice changes atmospheres. Why? Because when you are acutely aware of his presence in you, and you, ca- you carry a combustible heart from being in the secret place 24-7, secret place dweller, the words that you speak are then shaped and fashioned by the burning fire on your heart. So when you speak, your voice carries the weight of heaven because those words have been forged and fashioned in the fire of his presence that's burning in your heart. It's where they're forged. Your heart's in alignment because you're there. Voice changes atmospheres. We can see that with Elijah when he shut up the skies and then brought the rain back three years later. Voice changes and creates your future. Okay, Romans 4, 17 says this, as it's written, I have made you, Abraham, the father of many nations. Here is our father, he, he is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls with his voice into being things that are not yet in existence creates future. Your voice unlocks and changes your destiny. We see in Matthew 16, this beautiful picture here. Um, Jesus is asking, hey, who all these people say that I am? Give answers. And then he turns to Peter, who do you say that I am? Hmm. Peter says, well, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, Son of Barjona, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. And I also say to you that you are no longer Simon, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of what? Hades will not prevail against it. This is huge. This was destiny shaping through a name, okay? Jesus spoke and changed Simon's destiny to Peter's destiny. Small and significant Simon, the name of Simon, small rocks, small stones, to the rock, Peter, upon which I will build my church. Do you notice that? Changes destinies. However, our voice can also stall kingdom advance through you. You can stall kingdom advance. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it and indulge it 
will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. This is real stuff. See, what you speak over yourself and what you speak over other people informs the, not only informs the state of your own heart, but it also can leave a powerful negative impact in the lives of other people. Watch what you say. You can also stall your faith because of the lack of results that you see when you're praying for healing in other people. What do you mean? It says, well, I pray for someone to get healed and they don't get healed. Subconsciously, you begin to partner with unbelief. Say, well, I don't know if they're actually gonna get healed. And what happens is you stop using your voice to pray for people to get healed. Your stopping of using your voice that's in alignment with the king inhibits flow of the kingdom through you. Rewire your thinking from believing that people not getting healed is a setback in your own life and receive it instead as an invitation to greater intimacy. This is how I approach it. I got this from Bill Johnson and I think it's phenomenal, so this is how I approach it as well. He says, if people don't get healed when they come to the front or when I pray for them, if they don't get healed, they have still encountered me more than Jesus. That's big. How can we say that? Because everyone who came to Jesus was healed. Everyone. And you carry and I carry all the fullness of God. All of him, not just a portion. We carry all of him. And if someone comes to you or you pray for someone and they don't get yet healed, you just say, oh, Jesus, they met more of me than you. And Jesus says, it's okay, come to me. It's okay, come deeper, come deeper. Don't worry about the mystery of healing. That's my job. Don't worry about why it's taking 10 years for Jimmy. That's my job. You just come and sit, come closer to me, and die. Any area of your heart, Nate, that hasn't come into alignment with me needs to die. Hmm. You guys all right? There's still more of you to lay down. It's okay. So very quickly here, the last step in activating your faith <clears throat> before we get to the last point. Very quickly, it's, okay, Peter knew who he carried, right? He then, from that awareness, he spoke it out. And then he took action, okay? Now he, he, he took his faith to the next level. He spoke healing to existence, he spoke it out through the atmosphere that he carried and then he partnered with those words by taking action. See, sometimes, oftentimes, not all the time, um, our voice needs to partner in faith with a physical act to fully activate your faith, okay? See, Peter not only spoke the power in the name of Jesus, it's one thing to use your words to say, to, to say, rise up and walk, it's a whole other thing to say, rise up and walk. Here, let's do this. Amen. Remember, those ankles didn't get strength until he started to 
pull them up. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask for in my name when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Well, how do I know if I've received what I'm asking for? Sometimes, let's preface it, sometimes your decision to believe that you have what you asked for is determined by putting your faith to work. Okay? Faith without works is dead. Now, Peter put his faith to work. He spoke, he put it to work. A few years ago in Quebec, I have a story of how this kind of works too through words of knowledge and healing. <clears throat> and uh, if that's God, say hi for me, okay? Um, I was in Quebec and we were at this, we're speaking at different churches and I asked the Lord for words of knowledge and pictures and, and those kinds of things. And I got this picture of this back. And I didn't know if it was a man or a woman. It was his back and it was full of porcupine quills. Some of you know the story, but it's, it's, Jesus is amazing. So I have to share it again. Porcupine quills. And I'm like, okay, Lord, if that's, if that's for tonight, bring it to my mind. When the time has come and it didn't come until three nights later, uh, it was my turn to go up and speak after Sandy, and, and I, I have this image come through my mind. I'm going, oh, God, really? Oh, okay. So I knew, I, I, I knew I carry the presence with me. I knew that. The next step of faith is to speak. So I spoke what I saw, and I said, hey, um, I don't know if this lands in anybody, but I, I see somebody who... You know, you have, a, you have a issues with your back, and I just have this picture of your back being full of porcupine quills, and there's this guy on the end, and he says, that's me, and I'm going, oh, that's amazing. So he stands up, and I could have stopped there. I could have said, yeah, we just, that's great. You're going to be healed sometime. That's awesome. Well, to activate that faith to another level, it's like, okay, I guess we better pray for him right? Believe that he's going to be healed. Faith. So uh, Sandy's like jumping up and down on the other end of the sanctuary and bolts over to where I am and we're like praying for this guy. And this guy, no, okay, he was, he, he had shared, sorry, he had shared with the, through the interpreter that he had scoliosis, really bad scoliosis, and he was bent over like this for decades. And he had shared with his parents when he was young that the pain that he experienced was like a bag full of porcupine quills. And we're all like cheering and saying, Jesus, you're amazing. Let's, let's go after this. And so Sandy comes over and I'm there and others are there and we start praying for him. And, and there, some people report saying they saw blue lightning come and hit him. And as we're praying, we, we had our hands on his back and we could actually feel his back straighten up and his spine go straight and it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's not the pinnacle of the story. The next person, Sammy Robinson, came up and he spoke salvation message. And the guy stands to receive Jesus. <laughs> Wake up, church. That's exciting. Seriously. The whole story? <laughs> Friends. 
oftentimes Jesus wants to change a heart, but before he wants to change a heart, he wants to heal a body. So if you ignore that part, he's going to leave the hard part for someone else. Don't miss the opportunity to, for people to encounter the heart of Jesus in salvation because your faith lacks the ability or you're, you're, you don't have the ability to believe that he can be raised from the dead. He can be healed. He has scoliosis. He has a brain tumor. Pray. Believe. He's not healed yet. Keep praying. You don't stop until they either go to heaven or they're healed. Okay? Okay. Moving on. Last point, and I'm almost done. The third key, and I got this phrase from my dear friend Gary Van Vlack. Way to go. Okay? Become a kingdom custodian. Become a kingdom janitor. Wow. What does that mean? I'll tell you. This is all about humility. You want to learn how to carry the presence or carry the atmosphere of heaven? Go low. Humility. Peter was all about this later. Like here and moving forward. He struggled to get there, but he got there big time. And even here, Peter pointed toward Christ who healed the man. Acts 3.12 says, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us, at us, as, as though by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? Uh-uh. It was Jesus Christ. Amen. See, Peter learned later, and later wrote, rather, in his epistles, God, what? He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. One of the heaviest, please catch this, one of the heaviest and greatest disruptors to carrying the atmosphere of heaven is pride. Whether thinking too highly of yourself or not thinking highly enough. Arrogance or false humility. Low self-esteem, really low. Why? You're pointing at yourself again. That's a form of pride. Get healed. Jesus will do it. Another, self-promotion kills. It kills, okay? Self-promotion is actually heavenly demotion. What do you mean, Nate? There's a psalm for this. This is beautiful. Okay, the Lord sees the motive of your heart and your voice and desires will fall on the deaf ears of heaven until you learn to go low before God and man. Both God and man. Psalm 75, 67. God says that promotion or exaltation only comes from above. And that man cannot receive anything, anything that heaven does not give you. Woo. The humility of Jesus Christ is greatness. Thank you, Michael Kulianos. The king comes lowly. Zechariah 9.9 says, Behold, your king is coming to you. <laughs> He's just and having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey. Zechariah 9.9. Friends, learn to wear the servant's towel. Learning to wear the servant's towel will bring your heart into alignment with the heart of the king. 
But why the custodian? The custodian is often the most overlooked person in the building, in the church, in the office building, in the corporate building, downtown, the bow tower. He holds the lowliest, quote-unquote, position. He cleans up the garbage after you. You leave your coffee cup, Josh is going to come clean it up for you. You go home at night, sleeping on a soft pillow, and you're working a business tower, you got janitors cleaning up the floors after all the stuff you spilled. They're there. This is amazing. The custodian holds the lowest position in the kingdom, the janitors, the, the humble ones. The lowest position, but he holds all the keys. I would say to the custodian, learn how to use the keys. Don't just let them dangle. Put them to good work. Open the doors. How do we create an atmosphere of humility? Can I keep going for a couple minutes? Okay. Love other people when you don't feel like it because of your own issues. Oh, self-pity keeps you from being a blessing to other people. Self-pity stinks. Okay? I've done it. It reeks. And it robs my friend of receiving blessing from me. Self-centeredness blinds us from seeing the needs of other people and mutes the voice of the heavenly flow out of you. It mutes it and stalls it. It doesn't deny your own issues. It just puts them into perspective. Here's another, and I'll be done. Celebrate and rejoice in other people's breakthroughs. <laughs> this is so hard. Oh, Joy is a sign the atmosphere of heaven lives in you. Joy. Let's get this. Let me say it like this. You can tell that you're caught up in the, in the awe and wonder of acknowledging his presence through humility when you're able to celebrate someone else's breakthrough. Okay? Someone comes up to you and says, oh, I've been healed. I mean, you'll have my whatever, my ankle for decades. Oh, man, my aunt, she, her brain tumor's gone. Oh, I got this prophetic word, and it's shifting things in me. And you're going, yeah, that's awesome. That's really good. Oh, it's good, but oh, God, why is that happening to me? When, when do I get a prophetic word? Yeah, I'm happy for you. <laughs> See, this looks really dumb. It looks fake. Because it is. Oh, it's fake. <laughs> Why has that not happened to me? Oh, here's what that does to you you will miss out on the joy you receive that comes from rejoicing with others who rejoice. Why? Because you're caught up in comparison and that comparison stems from being self-focused. And it creeps in and crowds out the capacity to experience the joy of his presence. Instead, when you celebrate authentically, 
okay? Remove the mask and just dive in and celebrate and rejoice with others who are rejoicing in their breakthrough, especially when you have not yet experienced your own. Especially when you're saying, God, I need a word. Especially in these times. Because you will then open the door, if you fully go there, you will open the door to experience their joy that, by the way, if you engage with that and partner with their joy, you get it. And their joy will manifest into you and partner with the joy that comes from living in the presence. And then what happens to you is the doors flying open for you to experience the blessing of your own breakthrough. Because their joy mixed with his joy prepares the soil for, for this breakthrough in your life. Rejoice with others who rejoice. Why don't you guys stand? Oh, wait a minute. I do this at nine. I totally, sorry, sit down, please. I, I wasn't going to do that, but I, I totally messed it up. Stay seated. Now, those who are like, oh God, can I have some iPad music? I just like to fill the atmosphere with music. For those of you who are like, oh, whether you're watching online right now or you're here in the building, you're like, I need the scales to fall from my heart so I can receive deeper revelation of Christ in me. There is an anointing right now for fresh revelation of his presence in you. If you, if you want that, I'm gonna ask you to stand right now. No hesitation. Don't feel you have to stand. So just hold your hands out and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray over you. Oh. Lord, I want you to look for the good soil. Look. Look for the good soil. Friends, you tell Jesus right now, I've got good soil. I want to receive this. I want to receive this. Say, Jesus, make me a, a, a dweller in your presence. Make me a person who sits at your feet. Actually, he can't make you. That's your decision. Say, say, Jesus, I decide to become a dweller in your presence today. This is who I want to be. Say, Jesus, I want you. I will do whatever it takes. Show me the areas I need to die. So Holy Spirit, would you reveal right now the deep mystery of Christ in you? Come down. Come down. Remove the veil from our minds and from our heart. Oh God, we want to carry your presence well. 
take these people deeper. Lord, I ask that you'd fill them with boldness and power through the Holy Spirit, that as they carry the atmosphere of heaven, that they would erupt with boldness and courage, and they would be confident in using their voice to speak into existence that which has not yet come to pass in people's hearts, in their bodies. God, would you fill them with the fire of your presence as they sit. Don't expect to get fire if you're not sitting at his feet. So Jesus, we as a church are calling on you. It's 911 time. We're calling on you. As we sit at your feet, would you advance the kingdom? Would you release healing, signs and wonders as we walk in fresh revelation of all of you in us? Thank you, Jesus. The rest of you can stand. Father, I just, I just, would you bless everyone here from the front to the back to the sides? Bless them today. Hmm. Fill them with your presence more and more and more and more. Help them cultivate as you give them the tools to cultivate their soil, Lord. And I just speak to the enemy and says, you cannot, you cannot steal what's been deposited. And so friend, don't give it to them. You partner with Jesus, not the enemy. It's a new day for you, marker day for you. And all God's people said, amen. amen, amen. If you want more healing or need some healing of any kind, ministry team, I'm gonna invite you to the front right now. Um, <clears throat> for the rest of you, be blessed. And make sure you're back here at 7 p.m. on Friday night for the Reveal Conference. It is going to be outstanding. So come, have an amazing day.